0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Cool. So this evening, we are carrying on with the theology of suffering, um, which is an exciting topic. We love talking about how miserable life is. Um, it's not, it's good because God is good. But we're going to carry on, so we're in week four of this, and I'm going to start off um, straight off by singing—not singing—I'm not singing. I'm not singing. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I will never be allowed to preach again. <laughs> that is Loreco's thing. We'll yeah. leave it there. <laughs> but it is a psalm, so maybe that's where singing came from. We're going to uh, read a psalm for us. So it says, "Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people." Got hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And I really love this psalm because it kind of sums up suffering really beautifully, that whole like kind of cycle that we go through. The, the psalmist is, is being really honest. There's stuff happening in his life, right? There's people coming at him. They're deceitful, they're ungodly, and they're causing trouble in his life. And he's being very real that things kind of suck and it's hard. And he's also expressing, I think, something that we all very commonly feel in suffering, which is this thing of, well, God, where are you? Why am I coming to you and I feel like you're not there? And it's a very real thing that we kind of go through when we're suffering and we feel like God isn't answering us and he's not there. But then he says, he asks God, send your light and your truth, guide me back to you. Guide me back to your presence. Help me fix my eyes back on you because you are my joy. And the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I need to to realign myself to experience God the joy that is being a child of God so that I can have the strength to face what I do. And then he addresses his own soul and he's like why? Why are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil? I choose to trust in God. And so hopefully this is encouraging. This is why I love psalms, and it's why I love poetry, because it gives expression to these things that sometimes we struggle to express. So tonight, we are looking at suffering and hope. So what have we learned about suffering so far? The one key thing that we have really learned is that suffering is inevitable. Jesus very clearly said, in this world, you will have suffering, And then very nicely he said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. But there's no loophole in that statement. And in fact, in the preceding verses before it, so in this he's saying everybody has suffering. But us as Christians, (laughs) we get a little extra dose because we chose Christ. (laughs) Um, And so he's very, very clear that suffering is something all of us have to face, and yet we kind of approach our Christianity and kind of go, (laughs) yeah, God, you're just being a little overdramatic, right? You know, Peter was working your last nerve, you were concerned. I mean, he, he says this just before he's about to be crucified. So, but we kind of think God was kind of kidding, because we quote other scriptures of like, yeah, if God is for me, then who can be against me? And so we think of suffering as this thing that's coming at me it's coming against me and it's something I have to do battle with. And instead of acknowledging the truth that Jesus said we're going to have suffering. Lurico did such a great job last week about talking about Joseph, right, and the suffering that he went through and how he kind of thought that he was just so special and that for no reason whatsoever his family was just going to decide that he was the bee's knees and bow before him. And The reality is he had those visions because in his heart he carried the destiny and the call and the purpose that God had for him. But young Joseph was not ready to hold that calling and to step it out. He didn't have the character or the tools or the skills necessary. And so God had to take him on this journey so that he could equip him for the destiny that he had for him. So... Regardless of why we are suffering and how we are suffering, we need to acknowledge and know it's coming. It's going to happen. And if you haven't suffered yet, it's coming. (laughs) It's going to suffer. And if you just come out of the suffering, it's going to (laughs) come. Okay. So it's our responsibility as we kind of mature in our relationship with God We know suffering's coming, so we need to approach it from this idea of, well, how do I endure suffering so that I come through it equipped with the character, the skills, and the things that I need, the weapons I need to walk into the destiny God has for me? Cool. So tonight we're going to be looking at what is hope, what do we hope in and for, and then how do we find hope? So, you guys know I've preached often enough that I, you know, I like doing word things. It's the academic in me. But it's actually a really good exercise because if you go to Google Sensei and you say, what is hope, this is what comes out. A feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. Well, that doesn't feel like it's going to get me through a lot of long-suffering, just a happy little feeling that maybe what I want will come my way. Like the universe is just gonna bless me with what I'm hoping for. That's like a big thing, right? Use the sound three times and the universe will send you what it wants. The universe is not a force. Um, I don't know who this is for, but if your theology is that you believe in Christ and you also believe the universe is sending you good things, I'm gonna come at you with my Bible and smack you. Because rather me, than you face God with a theology like that. God created the universe. The universe is not a force. It gives you nothing. It keeps our little planet spinning, and that's about it. So wherever you are, please correct your theology. Now, I left the archaic definition there. We don't use this anymore, and I think that's actually really sad because it says it's a feeling of trust. And I kept that there because when you look at the biblical understanding of hope, trust is actually very key. And I find it fascinating that the world has stolen that aspect of hope from our understanding of what it is. You cannot hope without trust. And this is why this kind of hope that's just a feeling or an expectation, or like Wikipedia says, an optimistic state of mind based on an expectation of positive outcomes, how is that going to get you through long-suffering when you're not seeing the results of what you're hoping for? No wonder so many of us have lost hope. Because we're just basing it on how we feel. I have this um, lamp at home, right, for load shedding. And I love my little lamp because in summer it kills mosquitoes. So it's fantastic. Um, but it's okay for two hours. <laughs> load shedding is great. I can read it. I feel like I can see things. It's fantastic. Come hour four, about all I can see is that there is a lamp. Yeah. It glows there, and I can see that there's an object in darkness here and less dark here, and that's about it. So I cannot trip, and I can't do anything else. This kind of hope is exactly like that. It runs out the longer you're in the darkness. So what is hope for us as a Christian? What does that mean? So now I can't take credit for this definition. Somebody else came up with it, but in all the research that I did looking at stuff, I'm in agreement with it. Hope is the confidence expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness and in who he is. Can you see the difference? It's not this vague feeling that maybe something good is going to happen to me. It's a confident expectation based on the fact that I know what my God has said and that he's capable of meeting his word. And that is what it looks like for us, and that's different. That is hope that sustains you when the struggle is hard. So what do we hope in and what do we hope for? Romans 8, verse 18 to 22, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. That's a really strong statement. Particularly when you're facing a lot of suffering. What Paul is saying is that we we have something bigger and more substantial and more everlasting to hope for that compared to any horrible thing that we're going through right now. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What on earth did I just read? Um, I'm going to get a reputation as reading the weird scriptures. Um, But there's a point, and Paul's making this point. He's personified creation, Um, and he said, what he's saying is creation was originally made by God for a specific purpose. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought corruption into the world, and even creation was affected by it. And so it's not in the full purpose for which God created it. I was, when I sat and I thought about this, it kind of reminded me a little bit, I was thinking of three seasons, right? Creation goes through these seasons, summer, winter, spring. And a couple of years ago, I was very into bonsai, the little mini trees and pots, and I got my hands on a Canadian maple. And uh, <laughs> this poor little thing was really just not surviving. So I did my research, and what it said is, well, Canadian maples come from a very cold climate, kind of in the name. The land where your garage has a heater and you have to heat your car for an hour before you're allowed to drive it. Very different to us. And they were saying if you live in a warmer climate, you might need to stick your maple in the fridge (laughs) so it can experience the cold of winter because it's not cold enough. And the reason is because the the low temperature triggers the hibernation state of the tree, uh, the dormant phase. But that dormant phase is highly necessary so that it can uh, excel in spring and grow and actually Experience what it's meant to do. So my poor little tree wasn't doing this. It did die. Um, its its death was um, <laughs> dehydration, but because <laughs> I always forget to water my plants. But anyway, it, it was already very unhealthy. But my point is this: is that when you think about what God has created, they don't sit and moan about winter and just wish that it would be eternal summer creation knows there are seasons, winter comes, winter goes, winter comes, winter goes, and yet we, the smart ones, top of the food chain, <laughs> seem to think that it should just be perpetual summer, and that winter never comes, and so, <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people out there who hate winter, or <laughs> summer, whichever one is your preference, um, so we, we've got to, it, it, it's fascinating to me, it's a beautiful image of the fact that we also need to acknowledge that suffering comes in seasons. And so I can't be perpetually putting my hope in the fact that the season's never going to come again, because then I'm going to con- perpetually be disappointed every time suffering comes. And this is again why my hope doesn't last, because I'm hoping for the wrong things. Reading on, it says not only the creation, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We are hoping for something that is eternal, not something that is seasonal. We're hoping for something that is lasting, that doesn't perish, that doesn't change. We're hoping in something that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And yet, so many of us get caught up in hoping in things that actually change and go away and perish. The beautiful thing about this is that we serve a God who is eternal. And that means that in the presence of my suffering, I have access to all those eternal things that will come with God because he is with me, he is inside of me, and he walks with me in my suffering. And so I'm not on my own just kind of trying to get to these things and get through them. I actually have access to everything that I need through the God who provides everything that I need. In the psalm that I read earlier, in verse three and four, it says, send your light and truth to guide me. Let them lead me to your house on your sacred mountain. Then I will worship at your altar because you make me joyful. So there's this English saying, right? Light at the end of the tunnel. We've all heard it. We all say it. It's the final exam. Oh, I can see the light. You know, um, it's almost payday. I can see the light. And so I was thinking of this, and and it's very much this, that we're constantly focusing on the light that is at the end of the tunnel. And it's very difficult. We're in a tunnel where we can't even see the light because that's how long and windy it is. But God actually, in his word, in Psalm 119, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And Jesus himself is described as the light of the world. And so I have to actually push closer into God in my suffering because when I do, I have the light with me. God is with me. I don't need to worry about the light at the end of the tunnel and the thing that I'm I'm hoping happens because I actually have everything I need right here, right now. We have this, this, before that. It's not about the tunnel. It's not about the circumstances that you're facing. It's not even about the goal that you're trying to reach. It's about your relationship with God. It's about building a relationship where you have trust Remember we said hope is intertwined with trust, Where you're trusting God because of the relationship that you have with him, because you know who he is, that everything you need will be provided for. In our Christianity, we have this weird paradox where in order to look forward with hope, we first look backwards. We're looking backwards to remind ourselves what it is that God has done, how he has already fulfilled his word. This is also why being in community is so important for us. Because as we hear the testimony of others saying how God has come through for them, like Greg sharing his testimony about the fridge, right? It encourages us, well, if God can do that for them, he can do it for me. And if God has done it for me before, he can do it for me again. And so we look backwards so that we can look forward with hope. Suffering is temporary. It will end. It will end. It doesn't always feel like we're in the middle of it because we don't see the solutions. But we have to recognize suffering is temporary. But the hope that we have is eternal. And that's what we hope we trust in. There's this interesting thing when I was talking about the sermon with other people as well. We were talking about how we trust in things that are variables. right? So if I'm trusting in a raise... To help fix my problem with my budget not quite matching up, like that's great and it might help, but the problem is that's not a temporary, that's not a, a permanent fix, because inflation keeps going up, and the job might not always be there, um, and I might get the promotion that I'm wanting that I think is going to fix my life, but I might end up with the most toxic boss in the world and mental health problems. But this is what we do, and, it's, and maybe those things don't happen. I'm not saying that they always do. But the reality is these things are temporary. They will pass away. I don't take these things into eternity with me. And so when I keep hoping in these things to fix my life, I'm hoping in things that are going to change. They're not permanent, but God is. So, uh, Proverbs 13:12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When I'm constantly hoping in things that change and then when I arrive at the space, I find out, oh great, there's a new thing I have to hope for. I have hope deferred and I'm wondering why I'm sick of soul and sick of heart. I'm trusting and hoping in the wrong things. So how do we kind of build hope when we have lost it. So I've spoken to a lot of people, and there is this feeling of, I don't know how to keep hoping. I don't know how to keep at this. I don't know how to hope anymore when I'm constantly having my things not met and my needs not met. And so how do we make sure that we are building a hope um, within ourselves? Romans 8. 26 to 30, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. God knew we were going to struggle with this, and so he sent us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even said to his disciples, it is good for you that I leave so that you can have the Holy Spirit. So it says, likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of Christ because the spirit intercedes the mind of the spirits because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know how to pray how we, the way that we should. How often when we're suffering, what do our prayers really look like? And I know that this is very true for me. It's Lord Jesus, fix this, fix this, fix this, give me this, give me this, I need this, I need that. Give me favor here, make this happen. And it kind of starts to lack a little bit of relationship, right? If that was an actual relationship, we'd be saying, red flag, because that is a red flag. (laughs) And so we forget our relationship with God in those moments. But God says the Spirit knows how to pray because he prays the will of God. And he actually intercedes for us. And this is why last week it was so beautiful, the moment that we had after the service, when people could come and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because it is I think for me personally, it's one of the best gifts God has given us because the Spirit leads us to all truth and he helps us in these moments. We can't do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. One of the most misquoted scriptures ever because we like throwing that one out. And when we throw it out, what we're usually saying is, God's gonna give me what I want. And that's no, (laughs) because a lot of you are still sitting there waiting for God to give you the good thing that you're hoping for and that you want. Read on. What it says is, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God has decided and decreed, because he is God, that the best thing for you ever is not that promotion, not that job, not that guy or girl to fix your, your single life, but that Christ be formed in you. That, to God, is the best thing that could ever happen to you. It is the best thing that you need. When we look at the life of Joseph, that is exactly what happened young Joseph could never have been second in command of one of the greatest nations of the olden times, right? The olden times, good gracious. <laughs> Don't know what else to call ancient, thank you. <laughs> There's a word for it. He could never have done it. He had to go through everything he did so that he could stand and do it. So, and know what that was? I mean, think of that moment when he's had this vision that his whole family's gonna bow before him and finally they do. And what does he do when his dad, his father, kneels before him? He says, no, 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 no. I'm not here because of you. I'm here because of what God has done and what God needed me to do. And he bows to his father. How many of us could honestly say we've got the character and the humility to do that now? And it's because Christ was formed in him. His character was changed. And so this is what God wants to do for us. We need Christ in us so that we can walk into the destiny and the calling that God has for us. So coming back to how do we hope? Check what you're hoping for. What is it that you're putting your hope in to come and save you and to fix your life? Are you hoping for things that are temporary, for things that will pass away? Or is your hope in something bigger than that? Is your hope in something that doesn't change, doesn't move, that no moth and nothing will ever destroy. Because that's going to change the way that you hope. And who are you hoping in? You have to trust in God. Remember that definition, the, the biblical definition says that we're hoping in the promises of God not in the things that I'm hoping for, not in the things that I'm wishing for, not the things that I think are going to fix my life because I don't always know what's good for me. I really don't. I think I can see the solution to my problem, but I can't see what's coming after that problem. God can. And so it's so much better to hope in the God who can see what I need than to hope in what I think is going to fix things for me. And I hope in God because I know that he can actually fulfill his promise. So I need to know what God is actually promising me. We need to be in the word. We're never gonna stop saying this. There is no shortcut to this. There's no verse a day that is ever gonna be enough. Be in the word. And I say this as much to myself as to you, because this is not my best thing. (laughs) We need to be in the word if you want to know what God is saying to you, if you want to know who he is so that you can trust him, you need to be in the word for finding out who he is. And the wonderful thing is that the Holy Spirit will help you be in the word. He'll reveal things to you. Don't just read the word and think that that's enough. Talk to God about it. What did I just read? This is weird. I don't understand this. What are you saying to me? And let God speak to you so that you can grow in your faith. Be in community. You know who I am. and they're going to shut up about connect groups. <laughs> Even just being here helps us to build our faith. Being in community, this is why God said, don't neglect the gathering. Because when you're here, it builds faith together. And we worship together. And we feel God's presence together. There is something God created us to be this way. Don't think that you're the exception to the rule. But you guys are here, so you're obviously cool. But be in a, commun- in a connect group. And I want to say, if you've, I know there's people who've tried and they keep struggling. Please don't give up on us. Keep nagging us. We will plug you in. We will sort it out. But get into connect groups so that you're in community because what do they do? They encourage you. When you're going through the struggle, when you're losing hope and you're hold, battling to hold to it, they're the ones who come around you and encourage you, who remind you, but this is what God has done, who pray for you. The Bible says that the prayer of a, a righteous man is powerful and effective. So get some righteous people to hang out with so that they can pray for you and God can, can show a breakthrough in your life. And we need to be in God's presence. We need the Holy Spirit. God's presence, I mean, you felt it tonight. The way it just lifted us up and, and the way it just fills us. And God is just everything and that's what we need to be and it's what we're made for. We were made to be in his presence. So don't think that you can get through this without actually spending time with him. Hope is not just a feeling. It's actually a position that I choose to put myself into. It's a choice I make daily over and over and over again. And sometimes it's something I have to fight for. Because doubt is gonna come. Questions are gonna come. I am gonna get tired. I'm reminded of gotta oh, think here it is, Moses. When there was a battle raging and he had to hold up his the staff so that the battle could be won. And he got tired and so he needed Aaron and the Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> Not where I was going with that. But they had to hold his hands up, right, so that the battle could be won. Again, community. But we are going to get tired because it's, it, it's a battle sometimes, but I have to constantly choose that I put my hope in God. Why am I restless in my soul? Why am I downcast? I choose to trust in God. So the choices, This this... Positioning of hope determines the kind of choices that we make as we're going through the suffering. And if I'm not positioned correctly, I'm gonna make bad choices in that place of suffering. So I have to check my positioning. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, and I love this, uh, anyone who's done foundations with me knows that I almost always bring this up. Sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap a character, So a character and you reap a destiny. And we've seen this, right, in the life of Joseph. Again, he couldn't have reaped the destiny that he had if he didn't have the character he had. The character he had came from being disciplined with the stuff that was in front of him. We spoke earlier about how the word of God is a light unto my feet, and I was chatting through this on Friday with somebody, right? And we were talking about this this lack of hope that we sometimes experience and how tough it is and for me personally I'm always very future oriented. and I often forget the present <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has to constantly remind me do what's in front of you I'm like well Lord I don't know how I'm gonna get there do what's in front of you I don't know how I'm gonna achieve that do what's in front of you I don't know how I'm gonna change the world do what's in front of you finish your degree finish your honors degree do your work well Spend time with me. All those daily things, those daily plus disciplines have to be done here. But we're so fixated so often on over there. When you look at Joseph, I feel like I'm stealing my record sermon a little bit, but it was just so good. Joseph could never have been second in command of a country without having learned the things that he did in his place of suffering. He didn't enter Potiphar's house as the head of the slaves. He started as a fresh intake, bottom of the rung. And as he was faithful in every day with everything that was given to him, he got promoted and he got given more responsibility because he proved that he could hold it. Being in charge of prisoners, of criminals, is not easy. In my uh, second year of university, I was doing an adult education course and I had to volunteer. And I chose Le Corp Juvenile Prison. And it was actually really great. I felt safer with the prisoners than the wardens, Um, which is a bit weird. But one day, I rocked up to teach them history. I was helping them get through my trick. So we went, I was going to teach them history. And I couldn't find my class. And they were all in the library watching Sister Act on the TV that they stole from the rec room (laughs) in jail. (laughs) The fact that Joseph actually rose up in prison over a bunch of criminals. Not everybody there was there by, you know, no fault of their own like him. Some of them deserved to be there. And yet he rose to a position of authority over them because he was faithful with everything that was given to him. Are you being faithful with the things that God has given you for now? Focus on those things instead of trying to fix the things that are God's business, not yours. Let the hope that you have in Christ in eternity, in the work that he is doing in you, be where your thoughts start. And the rest will take care of itself. Focus on that so that you can build godly habits, so that you can build the character that God needs you to have so that you can walk into everything that he has for you. You have to choose it. Sometimes you have to fight for it. But may today be the day that you choose to have a hope that is centered in something eternal in Christ and Christ alone. Amen.